turn to Isaiah 64 if you're not already there. We'll look at a couple other passages of Scripture also, but we're going to start in Isaiah 64. Our lesson this morning is, where is God when, when events don't make sense? Where is God when things don't make sense? Now, all of us have been there probably more than once. And you may be even in church this morning and you're saying, don't raise your hand. That's me, yeah. Where is God? Do you hear me, God? Are you there? Are you around? And we think that way. We never say it out loud because we're discerning, you know, but we think those things. And so uh, here in the book of Isaiah, of course, Isaiah has 66 chapters. So he's in chapter 64, which is almost the end of his book. They say the book of Isaiah is a miniature Bible because there are 66 chapters and 66 books in the Bible. But Isaiah is at the end of his book, and Isaiah, of course, was what we would call a major prophet because of the size of his book and also his message. But I think there's a message for us in this chapter and some of the places in this title, Where is God When Events Don't Make Sense? Isaiah here in this book, in this chapter, we'll read in just a moment, he cries for God, not boo-hoo cry, but cries out loud for God to manifest himself. Manifest means to be made known or revealed. Now look in chapter 64 in the first couple verses. Oh, that thou wouldest, he's praying, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens, that thou wouldest come down, that the mountain might flow down at thy presence. As when the melting fire burneth, the fire causeth the waters to boil, to make thy name known to thine adversaries, or enemies, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. When thou didst terrible things which we looked not for, thou camest down, the mountains flowed down at thy presence. Now look to verse 8. Isaiah 64 and verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art our potter, and we all are the work of thy hand. Be not wroth, that means mad or angry, very sore, O Lord, neither remember iniquity forever. Behold, see, we beseech thee, we are all thy people. Thy holy cities are a wilderness. Zion is a wilderness. Jerusalem a desolation. Doesn't that sound positive? Our holy and our beautiful house where our fathers praise thee is burned up with fire. And all our pleasant things are laid waste. Verse 12. Wilt thou refrain thyself for these things, O Lord? Wilt thou hold thy peace and afflict us very sore? The prophet Isaiah here longs for God to meet Israel in her time of need. You can see from these verses... Things didn't look too good. And so basically he's saying what I said in the title. God, are you there? These things don't make sense. Are you listening? Will you do something? Will you act? And God, of course, did not act at this point. Isaiah couldn't understand why God is so silent at such a time like this. Maybe you wonder. If you haven't, you already. If you haven't, you will. Sometimes 
Why is God silent? Now, God doesn't talk to us audibly. I wish he would. Wouldn't it make things easier? I've thought that many times, but so far it hasn't happened. These people that say God's talking to them and they believe it's audibly, in, in one simple word, two words, they're nuts. If the Holy God really talked to us, we'd, I mean, we'd be under such conviction? I think I would. Maybe you wouldn't. There are times when we can identify with Isaiah's cry. We look at around the world today, we look at our own nation, we look at our own city, and we see things that are unfair. If you don't see that, you're blind in one eye and can't see out of the other. We see things that are unjust, and these things are true. We're not making this stuff up. It's true. And so we can identify with Isaiah. We would say, like, Lord, do you see what's going on down there? Like God's lost control. He knows what's going on. There are times, more than one, when innocent people die at the hands of cruel oppressors. If you pay attention to the news at all, whether you read the paper, does anybody read the paper anymore? Or you look on your phone or whatever. Even this week, some people, innocent people have been killed. Young people, children, uh, the average citizen killed, doing their, going about their daily activities. People in war, when the wicked people carry out carnage and are not judged, <clears throat> seemingly. So he want God to zap everybody right away. But he'd have to zap us sometimes too, wouldn't he? I don't know if God uses the word zap, but I'm using it. <laughs> when tragedy strikes our family or our nation, whether it's a loved one passing away or sickness or whatever it might be, what is God doing and thinking when the events don't make sense, when the unthinkable is happening? Well, I want to answer that this morning. Obviously, in an hour and a half, I can't answer all that. Well, it would be less than an hour and a half. I want to see if you're awake yet. One person is. So there's more to it than what I'm going to give you, but I want to give you a couple of answers to this question, at least a little bit, that'll help us think this morning, because we can relate to this so much. So, number one answer, what is God doing when the unthinkable is happening? He's extending grace to man. His grace. Isaiah is calling out for God to do something drastic. We already read in verse 1. He said, God, would you rend or tear the heavens? That's pretty dramatic, isn't it? That's what he's saying. He said that the mountains might flow down at thy presence. Wow. That's pretty, I'm going to use the word cataclysmic. We may have questions about why God doesn't prevent pain. It's one thing to experience it, but why doesn't he prevent it? I vote for that. So do you. But so far, it doesn't always work. And there's more than one kind of pain. There's physical pain. There's mental pain, emotional pain. Could I even say financial pain? And then you can elaborate whatever you want. That pain might be on others. That's why we have prayer requests to pray for people. Because these people have pain of some degree. Now, you may not have that like them today, but you know what? You ain't dead yet. Hang on. You will. I will. 
Someone that we know, someone that we love, or ourselves. It's easy to pray for somebody else's having a problem, but it's hard when we're the ones facing it. We wonder, we've all wondered, why evil people seem to be get away with sin. In two words, they don't. We think we're dangerous because we think too much. We think they're not paying for it. Do you think God's going, well, I don't know what's going on down there. He knows. And they're not going to get away with it. And so, let God take care of it. You know, but when God straightens out the problem, it works out better than when you try to. We've all tried to help God straighten things out. It doesn't work. We can't understand why God doesn't prevent tragedies. Every family has had some tragedies in their life and will have. Maybe more than one at a time. Isn't it true sometimes it seems like they all come at once? Everything goes fine, all of a sudden, boom, everything happens at once. Sometimes in the past, God judged on the spot. Sometimes he does. Uh, can you think of a time in the Bible called the flood? God destroyed everybody except eight people who were in the boat. That's pretty, that's pretty judgmental, isn't it? How about in Genesis, I think it's chapter 10, the Tower of Babel or Babel. The word Babel means confusion. And if you go back and read it, if you're not familiar with the story, the Bible says the whole earth was of one language. Wouldn't that be easy? Wouldn't have, missionaries wouldn't have to learn another language. Go back and read it. They were all of one language, and they were building a tower to reach to heaven. They were being unspiritual, if I could say it that way. And God said, you know what? I'm going to send judgment. I am going to come down and confound the language of all the people. So now when you hear people speak another language, you know where it came from. In case you're on Jeopardy, you know what to say. But the point is, it was instant judgment. So confounded the language. How about a place called Sodom and Gomorrah? God didn't say, well, no, he was patient with them a little bit, but God said, okay, here's judgment. Boom. He destroyed the place with fire and brimstone. And there are other examples. So sometimes God judges on the spot. I think about the New Testament. How about the example in 1 Corinthians 11 about the Lord's Supper? Where we use that for guidelines of how we observe the Lord's Supper. If you read 1 Corinthians 11, long about verse 11 and the end of the chapter, Paul, as he wrote to that church, said there were some people in that church who were dead. He uses the word sleep. That's a tactful way to say they're dead. He said they were dead or they slept because they didn't discern the Lord's body. In other words... They were partaking of the Lord's Supper in that church, but they weren't, didn't have, their hearts weren't right. And so God judged them on the spot and killed them. And then he also said, many are sickly among you. So we think the Lord's Supper, big dumb, taking these crackers and this grape juice. Wouldn't it be wild? Preachers think of crazy things. Wouldn't it be wild if, if a church in, in America or in any place had the Lord's Supper and the Lord did that today? I wonder how many people take the Lord's Supper on word. Now, none of us are worthy to take it. We know that. But if your heart's not right, you see, it's a time of self-examination. Am I really right with the Lord? For you to examine yourself, and Paul even said, examine yourselves. Not somebody else examine you. 
And so he judges people right on the spot. So God does judge people on the spot. By the way, he probably could and probably should have judged you or me, you and me, maybe one or two times on the spot. But he didn't. So God's merciful. Don't ask me to explain. I don't understand that myself. But I'm sure glad he doesn't always zap us when we mess up. Because we all would be in trouble this morning. So what's God's doing? He's extending grace. We all deserve God's judgment, but now he waits in grace. We read in, in, uh, in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not willing that, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's goal. That should be our goal. So he's waiting in grace for people to be saved. When is that going to wind down? As a teenager would say, oh, I don't know. We read in Ephesians 2.8, we're saved by grace through faith. The Lord is not slack concerning his, his promise, as he said in 2 Peter chapter 3. So God isn't, Jesus said he would come again. He's not reneging on the promise. He's waiting for people to be saved until God, it's God's time. So today, this moment, October 30th, 2022, is a, an opportunity of grace for each of us. Truly, it is. Believe it, accept it, rely it, depend upon it. Uh, remember when the Apostle Paul had a problem? He had a thorn in the flesh. And the Bible does not say what it is, and there are many ideas. It, doesn't, it really doesn't matter. It's, no, something was bugging him in his body all the time. When he's trying to function like you function every day, in his case, travel and preach. And he asked God to remove it, and God said no. Could God have removed it, whatever it was? Yeah. Could God remove whatever it is you? He could. But you know what God said to him? God didn't say, well, suck it up and have a nice day, get tough or get out. He said, Paul, my grace will be sufficient for you. So God gives us grace to get through that, whatever it might be. And we all can identify with that. It's God's grace. So this is a day of grace for us. It's a grace for those who need to be saved that God is still waiting for people to say yes. Maybe you know someone, we all do, who doesn't know Christ as Savior. Do you realize if Jesus comes today, which we say, oh, great. Do you realize the Bible teaches this? If a person has heard the gospel and refused it now, they can't be saved later. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? So God's extending grace to them. They might be saved. That's a message for another day. But it's, it's, it's grace for each one of us. Paul even said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know what? We can identify with that. By the grace of God, you are what you are and do what you do. So God is, ex God is extending grace to you and to me today when things don't seem to be going the right way. I think he also is fulfilling his plan. Turn to the New Testament book of Galatians chapter 4. Or I'll read these verses to you. Galatians 4 and verse 4. Galatians 4, 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law, 
to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And so God is fulfilling his plan. Now see, God has a plan. Because we don't know the plan, or we don't understand the plan. That's what we come in, huh? We don't understand it. Doesn't mean he doesn't have one. There's some people you say, does this guy know what he's doing? Or this girl, do they know what they're doing? And we would say, do they have a method to their madness? And in time, we find out maybe they do. There is a method to their madness. Now, I would not like to say God is like man, but I'm saying if man has methods to his madness, could we respectfully say that God has method, has, has, God has, uh, uh, he has method to his madness as far as we look at it. So, so God is fulfilling his plan. May I remind you, it's his plan, it's not yours. We all have our own plans. How we think these should go like this, this, and this. I guess it's, maybe it's only me. Sometimes, I shouldn't say sometimes, a lot of times it don't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Maybe it's just me. It doesn't mean God doesn't know what he's doing. It doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. And God doesn't always reveal his plan to us. All at once, I'm glad he didn't reveal his plan. If he revealed his plan for your life all at once, do you think he might have a heart attack? Or become ill? Or whatever? He just, that's why he just day by day, step by step. The Bible tells us that since before the foundation of the earth, God had a plan. So how could he do that? Because God inhabits eternity. We don't. We live a period of 70, maybe 90 years. I like the way I put that. Let's say 100. God inhabits eternity, so God has a plan. He's had a plan long, long as to how things are to go and what things are to accomplish. And guess what? The Bible teaches his will and his plan, if I can say that. His plan will be done. When he says, he says, when the fullness of time was come, Who's full of the time? God's full of the time. I guess, okay, now it's time for you to go, Jesus. Go. We think of someone having a master plan. If you ever built a house or did remodeling of a house, if it was a pretty big job, you probably had a, a plan. It probably didn't look like this, but something like this. I know we did at our house. Of course, my wife did it because I'm not very good at art. And we'd say, well, you got a master plan. This is how this is supposed to look. This is how this is supposed to look. This is supposed to be this size. This is supposed to be like this. And we might say we have a master plan. How it's supposed to end up. Could I say it this way? It's the master's plan. And you can't get an email from him to tell you what to do. And God knows how all things are supposed to fit together like a puzzle. I'm talking as a human. Like a puzzle. All the pieces will fit together like a puzzle to give the picture that he desires to give. Doesn't the Bible say he's conforming us to the image of his son? We say, oh yeah, but the conforming part's the hard part. He's knocking off the rough edges. He's correcting us. He's convicting us. He's whatever. He's allowing us to go through things. He's fulfilling his plan in our life. We like to quote Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. It didn't say things were good, they work together for good. There's a difference. 
Because sometimes if things are not good, humanly speaking, when it doesn't make sense to us, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. It's his plan. We don't understand it because it's his. This plan also, God was aware of the fall of man. Do you think when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, God said, oh, no, now what am I going to do? And I say that respectfully. Of course he knew. That's why the first promise of redemption is found in the first book of the Bible. Genesis 3.15 is the first promise of Christ. And then thousands of years went by before it happened. He didn't do it the next day, the next month. It was thousands of years. If you had actually figured it out, it's probably about at least 4,000. That'd be If you're 4,000 years, you owed. So next time you feel old, just remember you're not 4,000. The promises came through his prophets. What about Isaiah when he said he'll be born of a virgin? By the way, I don't think I'm wrong. I don't think that's happened since. In vitro, fertilization does not count. That's not being born of a virgin. I'm talking to adults. That was a sign. It didn't happen in Genesis 4. It didn't even happen to Isaiah. This guy who's preaching here. It happened later. It also says in his name, would, one of his names would be Emmanuel, which means God with us. It also in Micah's book, in chapter 5, in verse 2, it says he would be born in Bethlehem, which means the house of bread. And then Jesus saying, John, I'm the bread of life. Is that a coincidence? I don't think so. The point is God, God through time is fulfilling his plan. And so that's what he did, of course, in relation to Christ. Then after the Old Testament scriptures were finished from a human standpoint, between the Old Testament, the last verse of the Old Testament, and the first verse of the New Testament, there was 400 years of silence from God. No new revelation, no new verses. We call it the inter, I-N-T-E-R, inter-testament period. 400 years silence, nothing from God. Can you imagine that? That's all they had was the Old Testament. But when the fullness of time was come, as we read in Galatians 4, God sent forth his Son. Which that tells us, as well as the Bible would tell us, God is always on time. All of us know people that are always late. Don't nudge anybody. And you know in your mind, if you went there, you went on there a certain time, you got to tell them half hour ahead of time. I see one, three smiles. God is always on time. He's always on time. Not most of the time. All the time. Every time. For everything. Now, we all believe that. We understand that. We know it's true from the Scriptures, but sometimes we don't act like we believe it. And I include, our, I include myself. He was on time at the cross, at Bethlehem, and at the cross, and at the resurrection. Didn't Jesus say, in three days, I'll come back again? Now, oh, that was a short period, but you know what? God fulfilled his plan. Three days, he came back again. And all things. 
And all things in the book of Revelation we read about prophecy of him coming back again because Jesus said in John 14, I will come again. So he hasn't come back yet. Well, it's not time yet. When the fullness of time has come, he'll come. I don't know when that is. You don't either. And don't even speculate. It's his time, not ours. He'll be on time with the return of Christ. <clears throat> now there's, the Bible gives us signs and we see signs, but you know what? Could I say kindly, some of you who were around during World War II and Hitler was around, do you know that in that day, many of the preachers were preaching Jesus coming because of Hitler? Or maybe you were a kid, excuse me, most of you. If you were alive, then you were a kid, you don't remember. But they were thinking, oh, Jesus is coming because of Hitler. That was in the 40s. No, excuse me, 30s or 40s. I don't know, I wasn't born. That was in the 30s or 40s. This is 2022. He still hasn't come. So we need to think about that. <clears throat> I'm always tickled about these people that are saying, oh, Brother Mark, everything's so bad, Jesus must be coming. Uh, there's always been bad stuff going on. And what tickles me the most, maybe a better word would be aggravate, people that tell me, oh, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming, Pastor I'm saying, then why aren't you in church? Wouldn't it be wild if he came on Sunday morning and they weren't here? Amen. I mean, really. Are you ready for him returning? Because we don't know that. See, if God told us the day and the hour, we'd mark it down, and the day before we'd get right. We'd start passing out tracts, we'd start praying, we'd start reading our Bible, we'd make sure the church had our offering. Are you with me? We'd get everything right the best we know how, so he doesn't tell us to keep us on our toes, so to speak. What is God doing when the, when, when the unthinkable is happening or the unpleasant is happening? He's also holding out his hand or knocking with his hand. We read, we read in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 where he is writing still to a church, a church like this one in the sense of people meeting together. In Revelation 3, Revelation 3 and verse 20, the Bible says this, Behold, this is Jesus talking. I stand at the door. This is all in red letters. If you have a red letter edition Bible, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, so he must be knocking and saying, let me in at the same time and open the door. I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Now, if you look at verse 13, he's writing to the church in Laodicea. So it was a church that was in existence, a real church with real people. I don't think they had a building like this. The real church with real people, and he's knocking on the door. Isn't that sad? It was his own church trying to get in. Jesus, not Paul, not some preacher, some missionary. Here's Jesus trying to get his own church. He said, I stand to the door and knock. If you hear my voice, oh, wow. Jesus takes the humblest place, inviting us to fellowship and eternal life. God's hand moves nations and circumstances to bring people to salvation. So maybe as he was talking to, he wasn't talking to a building, he was talking to people in the church. A church is not a building. We call it the church, we understand all that, and understand all the English ramifications and what it means, but really the church is the people. You can have a church without a building. I think we did that once. 
No, I don't want to go back to Stan Balls or the best building. I definitely don't want to go back to Halibut Sakers. But, you know what? It's still true. The church is not the building. It's the people. So, do you hear his voice talking to you? Now, it may not be audible again. As you read his word, as you hear his word proclaimed, or the spirit of God who lives in you, if you're saved, does he speak to your heart? We say, the still small voice of the spirit of God. It's not audible, but you know he's talking to you. Whatever it might be. Do you hear his voice? Do you know what? Isn't that, isn't that sad in Revelation 3? His own church, he died and paid for those people, and, and they don't hear his voice. They're not open to the door. Sometimes we don't hear God's voice because we don't want to. Maybe we're afraid what he's going to say, and we don't want to listen or do it, just like we do with people. You know, some people just tune you out. Oh, they're standing there looking at you, but it's going anywhere now at the end. They're not paying attention to what you say. And they probably don't want to hear you. Well, they may be audibly saying this, and depending on who the person is, they might say, are you listening to me? And if it's a husband, he always says, yeah. Then the wife says, repeat the last three words. Are you listening to me? The last five. By the way, I don't do that. My wife doesn't do that, but I'm using it as an illustration because it would relate. Do we hear his voice? I think one reason why people one reason why people don't consistently read God's word because because he speaks to us and we don't want to have him speak to us because we think we're doing okay because he'll say stop doing that start doing that act this way don't act this way if we don't read it we don't have to deal with it really do I hear his voice sometimes. Sometimes God is knocking on your heart. He wants you to listen to his voice and hear. Now, we all have ears. We know how they work. But he doesn't mean audibly here, but hear with your heart and hear with understanding. Have you recognized his work in your life? We're talking about where's God when things aren't going well. We may not and will not always clearly see or understand his ways. The Bible actually says his ways are past finding out. You know what that means? Don't have an ulcer, heart attack, and a few other things they were trying to figure him out. Because you're not going to do it. We all thought we figured God out, and we're wrong. His ways are past finding out. It even says before that, Who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? You see, we don't tell God what to do. He tells us what to do. We just say yes. And because it looks like God doesn't have a plan, and it does sometimes. He does. And in time, you'll know what the plan is. Where is God when things don't make sense, when events don't make sense? He's extending grace to man. He's extending grace to you and me today. You know how you got to church today? Oh, yeah, I got my car and came over. No, it's by the grace of God you got up this morning. You could have woke up dead. Can you wake up dead? You know what I mean. And your car started, you got in, came to church. I think I'm looking at all, you're all breathing right now. So yeah, it's an involuntary action. Yeah, but the psalmist said there's a step between me and death. You could take one step and be gone. I could take one step and be gone. Isn't that true? So what the point is, God's extending grace. And he's extending grace through difficulties and circumstances. But we have to receive it.
We don't have to understand it. We've all experienced His grace in difficult times, but you can't really put it on a piece of paper and explain it. At least I can't. Maybe you can. But you know what? Even if I don't understand it, I'm still going to accept it. Wouldn't we be foolish not to accept it? What's he doing? He, he is extending grace to mankind. He's fulfilling his plan, not yours. Sometimes your plans and my plans don't jive with his, and we have conflict. We have conflict. He doesn't have any conflict. We have the conflict. Sometimes God is knocking with his hand and trying to speak to our hearts. God will meet us wherever you are, where you are today. There's probably not a person in this room who doesn't have some kind of prayer request, burden, need, circumstance, under which you would say, now God, would you please help me here and what's going on? To one degree or another, if you're not, wait till tomorrow. God will respond to your call and give you eternal life if you don't know him as Savior. Those who may be listening online or you never know who's listening. I even surf, I listen to services online, you never know who's listening. Somebody might be listening and they've never received Christ as Savior. God's extending grace to you that you've got another day to live to be saved. And you and I who have family members who are unsaved. He's extending grace to them to live another day so they might be saved. Remember, he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God will finally one day make everything right. You're not going to do it, so don't quit trying. I'm not going to do it. One day, God will make everything right. You can count on it. He has a plan. He also has a plan for your life. It starts first with knowing him as Savior and then surrendering your will to his will. What did Jesus pray on the cross? Remember, he knew what was going to happen. It was part of God's plan, but he knew what was going to happen. He said, in Gethsemane, excuse me, he said, not my will, but thine be done. And then on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. I'm not sure I could do that. Maybe I'm unspiritual. I think I'd be having a hard time saying, God, forgive these people who are inflicting pain on me, who are hurting me. And all these crazy people in the world who don't care that I'm dying for them. I'm not sure I'd be able to do as good as he did. That's why he's the Savior. And that's why we're supposed to be like him. Not him, but like him. God being our helper. So what is God's will for your life? I don't mean your lifelong vocation. What's, your, what's his will for you today or tomorrow? It's a daily thing. Don't we get one day at a time? So what's God's will for me today or your, his will for you today? Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment. Maybe you're in the situation, not exactly like Isaiah, but you can sense what Isaiah is feeling like. And maybe in your life, you say, where's God when things don't make sense? Father, speak to every heart, to those who may be here in our adult class, those who may be listening online, who can identify a little bit with Isaiah, and at least his feeling and attitude speak to their hearts today. May these couple of thoughts be helpful to your people. Speak to that one who may need Christ, we pray in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, the piano begins to play. Maybe God spoke to your heart. Maybe you need to pray right, right there in your seat or 
If you need to come to the altar, the altar is always open for invitation. While we wait just a moment, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Where is God when things don't make sense? He's there. While we wait just a moment, Maybe you know someone who needs your prayers. You may not need them today in this sense of this message. Maybe you know someone who does. Maybe some member of the church or some person. Maybe someone in your family. You can take a minute and pray for them. Because before long, you'll be in the need of prayer. They can pray for you. That's part of what a church is supposed to be. While we wait just a moment.